Hi everybody, this is Carol Top. Welcome to another podcast episode of the Dollars and Cents show, particularly focused on homeschool leaders. So this is my homeschool CPA podcast. I hope you've been enjoying these podcasts. They're a lot shorter in nature than I've done before and uh, particularly focused on homeschool leaders. Those of you leading homeschool support groups or co-ops or homeschool programs of all shapes and sizes. In today's episode, I'm going to talk about uh, a common situation that homeschool groups find themselves in, and that is accepting deposits or accepting money uh, at the end of one school year that's really being held until the fall. Okay, now you could call this early deposits. So what homeschool groups do is basically accept money, sometimes in the spring, about this time of year, uh, for a couple of reasons, they they want to know who's coming back in the fall. And they find that people putting down a down payment has a tendency to help them commit to deciding now whether they're going to come back in the fall for more programs that your homeschool group offers. So um, it basically holds a spot, too, uh, because some homeschool groups are very popular and have waiting lists. And so by asking parents to put down some money, and it's not usually very much, I mean, you know, 25 50 maybe $100, it holds their spot for the fall. And so it's it's a good way for homeschool organizations to know who's coming back and, you know, how much, you know, that they have a little money over the summer too. So that's the second reason uh, deposits are taken early, to give the organization a little bit of cash over the summer. That's good and bad, okay? Be careful that you don't go spending this money because it might, it's really probably meant for expenses in the fall. But sometimes um, there are expenses that come over the summer. I know my homeschool co-op had our insurance bill that was due over the summer. And so we needed to collect a little money in the spring to cover those summer expenses. And then we collected the bulk of the money in the fall. And we, like most homeschool groups, ran on a fiscal year that was more based on the school year. So that's why summer activity was a good time to break your fiscal year. There wasn't a whole lot going on in the summer. Okay, but what do you do when you collect money in the spring, but it's really supposed to be uh, for the next fiscal year, and it gets kind of messy in the record keeping, and people aren't quite sure what to do. So I have a book (laughs) where I discuss this. It's called Money Management in a Homeschool Organization. It's a guide for treasurers, and you can find that at homeschoolcpa.com. It's available in paperback. You can also find it on Amazon, or you can find it in Kindle or a PDF version. And in there, I discuss this a little bit about how you can record money you receive this year, but it's really for next year, and without you know completely confusing things. So I, I offer two methods. One is the simple method. And one is the more complex method, but probably more correct method. Okay, so let me discuss first of all what I call the simple method. And that would be if you collect money now in the spring, but it's really meant for next year, you simply create a a new line item of income and you call it something like early deposits or uh, next year's income or next year's revenue, or something like that, okay? Clearly indicate that this money is really for next year, and the reason you want it as a separate line item on your uh, income or on your income statement is so that your treasurer on your financial statements can clearly say, 
hey, this is the money we took in for the spring that's really held in reserve for the fall. And that's pretty important because although this is a simple method, you really got to be careful that you don't spend that money. That's really money that's supposed to be held over the summer and used up in the fall when the expenses of running next year's program start. So um, I like it because it's a relatively easy, simple way to just record income. It does kind of skew things a little bit. It's going to look like you had a whole lot of income, especially income coming like late in your in your year, you know, the, the spring here, maybe March, April, May. And you're going to sit with a lot of money left over. So it's going to look like you guys are kind of fat, if you will, <laughs> monetarily fat, meaning you have a lot of surplus and it could look that way, which is not a problem if you are tax exempt, meaning you have 501c3 tax exempt status from the IRS or one of the other 501c's, C4, C7, other common tax exempt status that homeschool organizations might get. And this was no problem to have a surplus because you don't pay tax on it. You're tax exempt. Okay. So that's a simple way to do it, pretty simple. Just make sure your board understands that this is money we took in the spring. We're saving it over the summer, so don't think you can spend it all and understand there's going to be some amount in the checking account, which is perfectly fine to do over the summer. Okay. The more correct method of doing it, but it's a lot more complex, is basically using what's called a, a accrual accounting. See that first simple method I, I talked to you about is what we in a, accountants call cash-based accounting. And we understand cash-based accounting because that's how most of us live our lives. When the cash comes into the checking account, into the organization, we record it in the checking account and therefore we record it in a financial statement saying income came in because the cash hit our checking account. We deposited cash. All right, that's easy to understand, right? In accrual accounting, we don't necessarily, we record the deposits, yes, but we don't say that this is income earned in the spring. It's not income earned in the spring. We, we, we record it as income earned during the time frame when we really earn it. Okay, that's a little confusing, right? When did we earn this money? We're going to earn it in the fall when we start having classes again. Okay, so the more correct but a lot more complex way of recording this would be to use an account called deferred revenue. That means I am deferring or I'm delaying, oh, I'm going to use this accounting word, recognizing the revenue until the fall when we actually earn it. Deferred revenue is not a revenue account. I know it sounds like it, but deferred revenue in the accounting world is really a liability. A liability, that means you owe somebody something. When you take somebody's money here in the spring and you're holding it for them over the fall, until the fall, when classes start again, you owe them something. You either owe them their money back because they don't come and you give a refund, or you owe them what they paid for, which are the services your homeschool co-op, typically classes. That's why it's a liability. You owe somebody something at the end of the year, their money back or the classes. Then, on the first day of the new school year, you then, I'm going to use that accounting word again, recognize this income or record the income as then earned because the new fiscal year has started. Or maybe you recognize it as income the day that classes start. 
and then you do this accounting entry where you take it out of deferred revenue and you put it into your typical you know um, revenue account for um, classroom tuition or whatever you call it okay that was kind of complex right <laughs> I would say only use this more it's more correct way of recording things but it's more complex way of recording things using accrual accounting if you have an experienced bookkeeper who understands accrual accounting the whole idea of deferred revenue who understands how to make adjusting entries and basically if you're using accounting software it is the more correct way to record things a few of the homeschool groups that I work with use this and some of them use it well and some of them have not yet done it well because <laughs> it was a little confusing so if you do have a good bookkeeper who understands you know accrual accounting and you are using software like QuickBooks or something like that that uses can use accrual accounting then uh, ask for a, a, a little paper I have written up about early registrations and deferred revenue and I, I take a couple pages and I'd be happy to send you this document, but I explain with screenshots exactly how to record your early deposits in QuickBooks correctly. But if you say, oh, Carol, can't we just do it the simple way? Chances are you probably can do it the simple way, which is just recording the cash when it comes in and earmarking it as revenues or income whatever you want to call it, reserved for the next year. Or you could call it early deposits. That's what a lot of groups call it. Early deposits, you know, held for next year. And just make sure your board understands that. All right. Um, I hope that wasn't too confusing to you. Again, it can be a little confusing and complex to you really understand a little bit more about accounting. And hopefully your, your treasurer will. If if not, then start with my book, Money Management and Homeschool Organization. Hey, I wrote it so that... Uh, homeschool treasurers can better understand how to record things in you know a homeschool situation so it's specifically for homeschool organizations and specifically for treasurers and like I said I, I discussed it a little bit how to record early registrations in the book but if you want my my document with screenshots and examples of exactly how to do it then then drop me an email Carol at homeschool CPA and I'm happy to share that information. I didn't want to bog down the book with that because so many homeschool groups are, are pretty small. They're not using accrual accounting. They're using cash-based accounting. And so it's pretty easy for them to just record their early deposits in a pretty simple way. You know, accounting software is a wonderful thing. It's a wonderful thing if you use it properly. If you don't use it properly, it can really confuse <laughs> the heck out of your financials uh, and, and cause some problems. Um, another rule of thumb I'm going to give you is if your organization brings in $50,000 of total revenues or less in a year, $50,000 total revenues in a year or less, then you don't necessarily need to use this more complex, sophisticated accounting methods. And you're filing... Um, uh, an annual report with the IRS called the 990N. It's an e-postcard. You're not giving them financial statements. Therefore, you can use the more simple method I just talked about to record your early deposits. But if you're a, lar a larger organization and you're bringing in more than $50,000 a year in total revenues in your school year, I mean your school year or your fiscal year here, okay, you're, you're now filing a more 
complex <laughs> information return with the IRS called the 990, and you do have to show them, um, you know, your your income statement, and you have to show them a balance sheet. And on the balance sheet is where you might want to consider showing, yes, we have money in the checking account, but a lot of that is deferred revenue. Remember that liability, where you're actually showing the IRS your assets and your liabilities, the fact that you owe somebody something in the next year, either a class or their money back. So that might just be a rule of thumb. When you have to start filing the 990EZ, it might be time, definitely it's time to think about accounting software because you're running a larger, more complex organization. And it might be time to think about recording things in the more proper, more complex way. All right, so I hope that's a little helpful to you. Uh, again, if it's a little confusing, my book, Money Management in a Homeschool Organization, can help you sort out how to best record your income. And, of course, the reason you want to best record your income is two things. One, your board needs to know what income came in and, therefore, what income can, what can we spend. And you, as the treasurer, I hope, or your treasurer has to be very aware of, don't spend this money that came in in the spring. It's supposed to be held for in the fall. You know, God forbid something happens and our, our program has to end over the summer. We have to give all that money back. So don't spend that money. It's supposed to be held to the fall. So your board needs to know that. So that's the most important reason why you want to have accurate recording of your financials so that your board can make decisions about how much they can spend and how much they need to hold in reserve. And it's just a good uh, fiscal management. You know, it's one of your responsibilities as a board member to the, the duty of care to take care of your finances and know where your money's coming from and know where it goes. And ultimately to, to best uh, represent yourself to the IRS of course, and to best represent yourself to maybe potential donors if you're a not-for-profit and want to start accepting some contributions and donations, well, you might want to make sure that your financial statements look as proper so that they instill confidence in any donors you're going to have in the future. That's kind of what I try to do, try to help you guys uh, run things properly so the success of your program can continue and, um, you know, ultimately give the best information to your board so they can make good decisions. So, whew, that was a little bit of accounting knowledge today for you, wasn't it? Hopefully not too confusing. I know it's hard to understand these things when I just talk about it and actually looking at uh, words on the page in a book or the document I have where I tell you I actually give screenshots about early registrations. That might be really helpful to some of you. So don't, don't be shy. Drop me an email and ask for what help you need to understand better how to record early deposits in your homeschool organization. This is Carol Tom. homeschoolcpa.com is my website, and I hope this podcast has been helpful to you. Homeschool leader, do you feel confused or overwhelmed by the job of running your homeschool group? You're not alone. Carol Top, the homeschool CPA, is here to help. Carol is an accountant, author, and retired homeschool mom who understands you. Her website has helpful information on co-ops, paying workers, and managing the money in a homeschool group. If you need personalized advice, set up a consultation with Carol. She's happy to discuss your particular situation. Visit homeschoolcpa.com today and get the information you need to successfully run your homeschool group.